Hi everyone, and welcome to our fortnightly podcast series. My name is Jan Orford, and I'll be your host again today. Today's podcast is looking at glycemic targets for the older person with diabetes. This podcast has been developed in conjunction with the Aged Care and Diabetes Online Learning Modules for CDEs, which can be accessed via the ADEA Learning Management System. I would like to introduce Michelle Hogan, Michelle is currently working as a client safety and quality consultant and works closely with the research and development unit at Helping Hand Aged Care. She's a registered nurse and credentialed diabetes educator and has worked at a variety of settings in the role of a credentialed diabetes educator, including acute care, community, research and paediatrics, and for the last seven years in aged care. Michelle assisted ADEA with the development of the aged care modules for CDEs, which were recently launched by the Minister and can be found on ADEA's LMS, as I mentioned earlier. Hello Michelle, how are you today? Good, thank you. Excellent. Well, we might get started because we've got a little bit to cover. So I guess my first question is when we're providing education, support and management for the older person with diabetes, can you outline some of the key guiding principles that a CDE needs to keep in mind when looking at glycemic targets, please? Um, Achieving um, the near normal blood glucose levels and preventing the long-term complications in the dependent older person may not always be the priority, but it may be the priority for a fit older person. So as with everyone, the glycemic control targets should be individualised to the person, taking into account their individual goals. We also want to look at their functional status, so whether the older person is either functionally independent or functionally dependent. Also looking at the comorbidities, especially noting um, whether there's established cardiovascular disease or other disease states that may impact the mobility status of the individual, for example, Um, and then that can affect obviously the ability to exercise and what that impact then can have on the blood glucose levels. And discussion also occurs um, as appropriate as to the risks um, around microvascular complications if the blood glucose level targets are set at a wider range as well. Also, diabetes history is very important. Um, Is the individual diagnosed with type 1 or type 2 diabetes? How long have they had diabetes? What diabetes medication is prescribed? What or if any targets have already been set previously? Um, Has the GP or specialist previously set ranges that they believe the person's blood glucose levels needs to sit between? And what has been the recent experiences with both hyperglycemia and hypoglycemia um, if the person's prescribed associated medications that can have the side effect of hypoglycemia? So it can be quite complex. Thanks, Michelle. You made mention of the functional categories of the older person with diabetes, and I was just wondering if you were able to outline these in a little more detail for us, please. Yes, certainly. So when we're referring um, to someone who's um, functionally independent, um, that is referring to the older person that may still live at home and cares for themselves. They may still have some assistance from family or a small amount of in-home support um, to enable them to live at home independently. When we're looking at someone who is functionally dependent, um, this is often people who are living in residential aged care facilities, for example, as as they are now no longer able to care for themselves as they once did in the community. 
So we're also seeing an increasing number of functionally dependent or the frail older person who is living in the community and requiring an increase in um, in-house house support services that allows them to continue to live at home independently for a longer period of time. We also look at um, end-of-life care as well, which involves providing support to allow people to die with dignity and keeping them as comfortable as possible until the end of life. Also important is assisting families to understand and manage this often distressing experience. And older people with diabetes who are at the end of life have unique care needs and are required to be treated as individuals as we would with anyone that we care for. Thanks, Michelle. I guess my other question along the same lines is, are the recommended glycemic targets under each functional category that a CDE should aim to perhaps help a client to achieve? Yes, certainly. Um, again, it's very important to assess the individual and taking into account the individual circumstances. For example, the ability um, of the person to self-monitor as required, the ability to adjust the target levels at different periods. The frequency and timing of blood glucose monitoring should be based on each person's individual needs and circumstances as determined in conjunction with the person's doctor and or diabetes educator and also importantly what's happening with the individual at that time. Random blood glucose monitoring may be done at different times as discussed with the person's doctor or diabetes educator, often for investigative purposes and to ascertain the individual's differences in blood glucose levels at different times of the day which can often give us a bigger picture of how, what is happening. So for a functionally independent um, person, we look at a HbA1c target of between 7 to 5%, sorry, 7 to 7.5% and 53 to 59 millimoles per mole. And those who are functionally dependent, a HbA1c target of between 7 to 8%, 53 to 64 millimoles per mole. And then the frail, person diagnosed with dementia, a HbA1c target a little bit higher of between 8.5% and up to 70 millimoles per mole. We're also making sure that we have extra care and education to caregivers around the symptoms of hypoglycemia as well. With end-of-life care, the glycemic target is to avoid symptomatic hypoglycemic, hypoglycemia and symptomatic hypoglycemia. There will be more on this topic on another po podcast, so you can watch out for that one. But currently in practice, I refer staff to the McKellar Guidelines in Residential Aged Care, which I believe a link has been provided for those listening to access at a later time. And I refer staff and clients to the blood glucose range of between 6 millimoles per litre to 15 millimoles per litre. Again, unless a different target has been set in conjunction with the diabetes educator or GP specialist. And often the people that I am um, referring to and, or being referred to are more of the functionally dependent um, people diagnosed with diabetes. Thanks, Michelle. You mentioned hypo and hyperglycemia in the older person. And I guess the problem um, sometimes is that they present differently or they can be, the symptoms can be perhaps confused with the ageing process. So I just wonder if you could briefly provide some members with some tips on what they should be telling carers to look out for when they're actually caring for the older dependent person with diabetes? Yes, certainly. Um, just to start with, I'll just give a little bit of um, a definition, I suppose, around hypoglycemia for those who may not be aware. So hypoglycemia is recognised as a blood glucose level of below 4 millimoles per litre, or in some cases it's recognised as a blood glucose level below 6 millimoles per litre for the older dependent person. 
And the risk factors for hypoglycemia in older people with diabetes include the longer duration of diabetes, um, the medicine use, which is including insulin and some sulfonurias, polypharmacy, which obviously we see a lot of in the older person, um, history of hypoglycemia, erratic meal times, which certainly can occur for those in the community, probably more so than residential facilities, the inability to grocery shop or diminished meal preparation competency, um, exercise or unusual activity, which can include walking and other activities, renal or, and or liver impairment, cognitive impairment, which we'll talk a little bit more about, malabsorption and swallowing difficulties, and also for those who have um, peg feeding tubes, sometimes they can become blocked, which also can cause hypoglycemia. So as we know, hypoglycemia needs to be treated immediately, and it's important to refer to your organisation's specific policies and procedures for further information around that. If we look at hypoglycemia, it's an increase in blood glucose level or too much glucose circulating in the bloodstream, and usually this is recognised as being above 15 millimoles per litre. So now looking at specifically how the symptoms can be a little bit different in the older person. So both hypoglycemia and hyperglycemia can present in the older person as a changed behaviour. Therefore, it can be important to assess and review changes in behaviours in relation to what might be happening with blood glucose levels at the time. So for an example, an increase in falls may be noted and could be in relation to hyperglycemia regarding polyuria, so the um, excessive urine, um, for example, trying to get to the toilet quickly um, or incon increasing continence or hypoglycemia where the person may be becoming unsteady on their feet through loss of balance. So the other symptoms of hypoglycemia may include a change in facial colour, so then becoming pale or very flushed, difficulty in speaking or engaging in the usual communication processes that they used, um, disengaging from an activity for example, not giving eye contact, um, acting vague, an unusual tiredness and napping, um, a confusion or an increase in confusion, and a change in behaviour may also be exhibited through abnormal aggression, a raised voice, crying or weeping. The older person's symptoms for hyperglycemia may include increased incontinence, excessive urination, increased or excessive thirst, sunken eyes, increased in lethargy, increased or lower than usual appetite, some weight loss, the dry mouth, lips or skin, again a flushed face, irritability and also some blurred vision. In people who are diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, they may experience a fruity smell on their breath. This is an emergency and requires prompt treatment. Um, identifying the older person with hypoglycemia is important so we can reduce the symptom burden in the older person and improve their comfort and quality of life and reduce the risks associated with hypoglycemia in the long term. One thing I found quite um, useful is if the person has regular staff working with them or family support, um, it's really a great opportunity to work with them to identify the symptoms that could occur um, to the person diagnosed with diabetes in relation to hyper and hypoglycemia. Um, often they can pick up on some symptoms that we may not normally have recognised and it's a great opportunity to then inform other staff members to be aware of these as well and we can put those into the management and care plans and um, let all staff know of those specific symptoms. Thanks so much for that Michelle. Um, we've covered quite a lot of information today so I just wonder if before uh, we concluded the session you had perhaps three take home messages for our members. I think an individual assessment and management plans are very important as we know um, and to remember to inform and provide extra support for personal care workers and other staff in relation to managing diabetes, especially as we discussed the hypoglycemia and hyperglycemia symptoms and management. 
and also to encourage them to have an understanding of the importance of eating patterns um, for the person diagnosed with diabetes who's prescribed um, insulin and some sulfonurias and also remembering for um, nursing staff that um, remembering that site rotation is really important when administering insulin to, as we know, ensure um, the best rate of um, absorption. Also referring to other allied health professionals to gain the best possible management strategies for the person diagnosed with diabetes. So obviously, especially the dietitians, exercise physiologists and physios for mobility reviews, podiatrists for foot care and pharmacists for the RMMR reviews. And also remembering often extra reviews and assessment are required when managing diabetes in the functionally dependent group of people, which means reviewing and reviewing if there's been changes of behaviour and if someone is diagnosed with dementia, not just presuming that a change in behaviour is due to the dementia, it certainly could be due to the fluctuation in blood glucose levels as well. And again, that's something we can hopefully manage and um, give the person the best opportunity for um, quality of life. Thank you so much, Michelle, once again for your time today and I'm sure that this podcast has inspired our members to start thinking about perhaps working towards expanding their skills in this area. I'd also like to thank the members for taking the time to listen to this podcast and please take time to download some of the valuable references, one of which um, Michelle uh, referred to during the podcast, as these have been provided on our LMS site for your help. You can also upload any questions that you may like our speaker to address and say thank you once again, Michelle, and see you all again next fortnight. Thank you. Thanks, Jan.